Welcome to the Entertainment Engine. Hi, welcome to the third episode of the Entertainment Engine. I'm Bex Gregory. And my name is Peter Moore. We hope everybody's well and having a great week. Just to recap, the idea behind this podcast is to provide clarity and information on the entertainment industry for everybody. It's a real great passion of ours and we're looking forward to sharing our knowledge and experience with you all as the weeks move on. And just to give you a quick flavour of the show each week, we'll be bringing to you an in-depth area of the entertainment industry. And this week, we'll be looking at what a music agent does. Also, what's really exciting is we'll be bringing in a special guest to some of our shows from the world of entertainment, which will be coming in in the next few weeks. So please stay tuned as we've got some really great guests coming on. The next part of the show is cool facts and our question of the day, brought to you by my good colleague, Bex, which is going to be great. She has some really interesting facts for today's show and a really cool question. So stay tuned. This now leads me on to something really positive, which is the Women in Business section, which I'll be hosting in the coming weeks. And I'm really, really excited about that. We then move on to the latest entertainment news from music, film and TV from around the globe. OK, let's take a closer look. Well, welcome to the Entertainment Engine podcast number three. Hopefully everybody's still keeping safe and well, that's the main thing, but the sun is out, so it sort of puts a bit more of a smile on people's faces, so that's that's a good thing. As promised, this week we're going to look into what a music agent does. The last couple of weeks I've sort of touched on what a music manager does and what to look for in a music manager and the good points and some not-so-good points and what a band should actually be doing. And with an agent, it's just as difficult to get an agent as it is to get a manager, but I'd probably say it's more difficult to get an agent, and especially now where the economy is, is a lot more tougher and agents are just generally quite ruthless, really, in the way that they go about their business. And I've been um, sort of exposed to agents over a long, long time, and you just have to build a relationship with them and explain a little bit about what you're doing. And, it, you know, they're just very very busy people and everything's got to be right for what they want to do so it's, it's a it's a real cat and mouse uh, game really with trying to get an agent and how to get an agent so there's no right and wrong way really um so in this sort of this next podcast we're going to sort of look a little bit more closely on a broader term of what an actual agent does so going back from the point of looking what a manager does and how a manager can help you managers and agents do work in hand in hand quite closely really but agents are more broadly that they approach promoters, they approach shows, they negotiate contracts for live performance, making sure all the wheels of the, the concert tour uh, just runs as smoothly as possible, really. And also in the music world, booking agents do differ quite a lot from talent managers. Booking agents are the people that book shows for the artists that they represent and solely representation for the act. And it could be from a UK perspective, it could be a European perspective, or you could have an agent that looks after you, you know, your your touring schedule for the world. It just depends on, on what area and, and territory that you're looking to do. They tend to make all the arrangements with promoters. They have key contacts and they know all the promoters. They know the, the, the wheelers and the dealers and the, and the right people to talk to. And they can make you know a lot of things happen. The booking agent can also represent to the promoter or producer for the concert with the full performance agreement which stipulates the artist's requirements so that may include sort of lighting 
sound, meals, hotel, accommodation, transportation. You know, you may have guests that want to come along as well to the to the event. Just depends on on the nature of how you're structuring the deal. But day to day, the agent will look after pretty much everything from a touring perspective that that you require. So again, you can concentrate on what you do, which is perform live and um, you know bang out the songs that you need to bang out and do a great live performance. They are also again looking at your team so we're sort of building up a team now so you you you've got your songs you've got your band your band's been doing some shows you've got your manager on board um that's going really really well you've also engaged an attorney which is great so you're keeping your attorney up up to speed with what's going on and they can also play a big influence in how an agent comes on board and they can actually you know accommodate that and help you find an agent and just sort of make that introduction you know, I don't want to give anybody any false hope on this series, but again, it's extremely difficult to engage an agent because they really will go through the nuts and bolts of um, what you're trying to do and what you've what you've achieved. So it's just building that team. And by having a manager with you and having an attorney that's respecting the business, again, it is a big, massive tick, tick box in that area. And it's just, um, it's a good position for you as a band to be in. So just sort of, you know, sort of consider those points as, as we move forward, really. Also, looking at what an agent does, you know, for concert buyers, they work to find, you know, the right artist that will fit into the need on the on the available budget as well. Many of the major booking agencies, they will refuse to represent a client who are not already signed to a major label, and this is actually quite difficult. And it's happened to me many, many, many times where you really want the agent to help you get over the sort of next hurdle, really, and sort of help you maximise as much as possible. But the solid reason that I can only give with the agent wanting to have a solid release is that they know it's actually going to be crossed over with a major label and a major distributor so they know there's actually substance in actually what you're doing and they know the audience is actually going to be there so it, it is a chicken and egg situation again but again if you don't keep the agent up to speed about what you're doing they're never going to know what you're doing and I think that the more you do keep them up to speed the better um, and due to the nature of most artists out there, they're all, you're either doing your own indie release or you're on a small independent label. Um, you may get a smaller booking agent. So it's just weighing up what you're trying to do and how you're trying to do it with your team, really. But again, it's, it's, a, it's a long road. You should look at the long game rather than looking at the short game because, you know, as I said before, patience is a virtue and that's where you really need to be. You know, music agents as well, they also hold the key to really good shows so for an up-and-coming band you really do need the agent to sort of get you in front of a bigger audience and that comes to the point where audience you wouldn't normally been able to play in front of because you know an agent can get you a lot further than you can from booking shows they can just literally pick up the phone and talk to the promoter and you can be on a guest slot you know you're not going to be headlining the festival year one you're probably not going to be headlining the festival year two but you are going to start to get exposure and you're going to move in a in a in a productive way and i think by having an agent having your manager and having an attorney all working in the same way then you know there's lots of things that that you can achieve but again it is a slow process and one that takes a lot of time and you if an agent turns you down it's normally for an instrumental reason it's it's you know they may really like your music they may like the sound of what you're actually trying to achieve and where you're going but that's not quite right for them at that time but it's 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 look at that as a negative and a positive so sort of moving on really in this area if you do manage to sign with an agent that works with larger acts 
you have the inside track on all support slot and, and tours that that agent will do. So you may get the opportunity to actually you know, be a support tour for a, for a major act. You may get three shows in the UK, you may have 10 shows. The opportunity for that exposure is actually great. And you know, most bands that I know will, will bite anybody's arm off to actually go and do that because you'll get exposed to that, you know, that band's audience, which again is is invaluable. So, you know, they can make that type of situation happen very, very easily, and it's something not to to really take lightly. It's it, it it's just it's just comes down to the, the way the business works. And you're a commodity. You have something to sell. The agent can can actually help you. Know, help you do that really so coming back to earlier what i was saying music agents do have the ear of promoters across every territory so across europe us china um, and they can get you in the front door promoters can convince um, the agent to a point that this is a good thing to do and the agent will go for it. it it just depends on really how you're structuring the deal and what the agent feels you can do at that time and also, one of the big things that an agent can do, they can actually, at a certain point in your career, get you more money than you would be able to get because of the network they have. So you go further up the bill as the years go on. So year one, you was opening on on um, you know XY stage festival, and you got ten pound and a burger and a bag of chips. And year three, you know you could have a few thousand dollars for the band. It's all relevant to where you are in the food chain and what you're actually doing because you've had more music out there, you've been more exposed to your social media. So you've had the junior agent at the agency and now you've got sort of like a middle tier agent. It's just, it's sort of going more and more in your favour really. But it, again, this comes down to a lot of hard work. And you've also got to look at the, the live scene regarding bars and nightclubs that specialise in presenting live music on a regular basis. That, you know, they often employ a schedule, you know, of events and have their own in-house booking agent as well. So these people are the venue buyers and they shouldn't be confused with a booking agent who represents the roster. So if you're looking to go directly to a bar and nightclub, for example, and you haven't got an agent, you'll deal directly with the booking agent there and they will actually accommodate you for that particular show. But you know, don't ever confuse them with a music agent because they're, they're completely different. It's the agent that will represent you and represent the, the roster that goes to the festival. Bars and nightclubs have their own sort of in-house booking team that would generally look after and then accommodate you in that area. And booking agents may also have contacts, generally with a lot of freelance promoters. You know, they are individuals that agree to produce concert by locating a venue. They will provide a sound system. They will assemble staff. So you've got minuses and pluses in everything, really. But again, I'm coming back to it. it depends on where you are at your career and you know what you're trying to achieve and that will be the call of um, the agent that you that you get and going back to one of my earlier podcasts with one of the bands that I mentioned that you know wanted to have a meeting and thought they were going to walk into um, William Morris they got as far as the um, receptionist and never got a meeting it just literally tells you everything and it's an area that you know I don't mind saying I've, I've found it tough with all the years I've been in the business and agents will take a meeting that you know they will sit down with you but it's difficult to actually get them to agree to what you do and there's lots of things you need to have in place and you know going back to what we were saying earlier in in the um, in the managers briefing what to look for the agent will look for the same except they'll be looking for what's your social media stats how many releases have you had um, where have you played um, what have you done as a band in the last couple of years so 
even if you've had that meeting, for example, you've walked into you know one of the big agents and you've, you've sat in you know someone at CAA or or William Morris and you know they've actually took a meeting with you. Don't be surprised they don't take you on for the first time because generally they probably won't. But that doesn't mean to say you can't keep them updated with actually what you're doing and 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 the you know the exposure you've had over the past two or three years because that could be really good. You know, you go back into into those agencies in three years' time, and you've managed to get on a few festivals yourself because you booked them, or you've had someone in the band that's helped you book some of the gigs. Your social media stats has gone up. You've had a couple of single releases. You've got a bit of traction. You know, you may just get that opportunity with, with a bigger agent. They might just think, oh, actually, you know, we just lost a client, or actually, you could fit in. We can actually put you, you know, into a um, into a situation that actually sort of benefits where you're going and benefits them because at the end of the day, they're doing it for a reason. They're doing it because they can get you a lot of exposure and also they can get you a your rate a lot higher so you can earn a lot more money so i think there's lots of things here that you've got to sort of look at and understand why wherefore what an agent's going to do why an agent's going to do this for you um do you fit in to what the agent actually wants you wants you to do so the band has to make a decision and again it comes down to you know you like that agent you might not like that agent it, it might not fit with what you actually want to do it's got the right wrong outlook for you you know, there's all sorts of things. It still works in the band's favour as well. But again, if you don't ask the question, you're never going to get an answer. And you may get a thousand no's, but there's going to be that, that that time when you get a yes. And I think then you've got to celebrate that yes. And then what are you going to achieve? And why did you get that yes? So, you know, th- there's, there's a lot of peaks and troughs. And my sort of outlook here is just to sort of arm you and give you some of my knowledge that, can help you on that journey really so sort of going back to the beginning you know do i need a a music agent or a talent agent you know ideally you need one at a certain level and again this could be someone in the band that helps you get onto gigs and moving you forward as i've said earlier and you're building up your traction and then at some point you could get a bigger agent that come comes in and they can you know make a lot of things happen plus it will save you a lot of time as as a band you can concentrate on what you do and that's the music and providing great live performance so it's 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 a positive as well you've also got to look at the agent of you know one thing that i would certainly say to, to be very careful if an agent is wanting to to charge you um, come money up front then you should question whether they are legitimate you know find out who they represent um, have a chat with the, the bands that have been represented by them this comes down to your you know your gut reaction as well if you're not quite happy then you just walk away if, if your gut's telling you no and again just walk away but anyone from a you know i'd say from a manager or an agent or publicist that wants you know you to pay money up front then quite frankly they can't do their job it's really as simple as that and um, i think you've just got to be wary of that so just just bear that one in mind from a band perspective of, of where you need to be looking you've you've created your sound you've created your music you've done some shows you've got a manager you've got an attorney and you've got some shows under your belt and you're starting to move forward now whether that's through the band or whether that's actually you having a, having a, a great agent or a, on board then you're, you're moving forward and it just all looks and helps you as a band move forward in a in a real solid way and also again it's it, the agent will be part of your family so once you've got that relationship with 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 him or her then things do start to kind of be a little bit easier but 
their main goal is making sure that you're going into the right shows at the right time, getting the right exposure, um, so that they can actually, you know, push you on to be headline act in the next four or five years. And that again, that's a process. It, it, it takes a long time, and you know, you'll come out of some meetings and you'll you'll think, why didn't that happen? Why didn't I get that gig? Why why did they get that gig? And it generally comes down to maybe the act was a little bit further on. The agent felt that you wasn't quite ready for that opportunity. So again, you're going to go through peaks and troughs, and um, it, it's it's unfortunately just one of those situations that we all face. And sometimes a no isn't nice to hear, but it, you know sometimes a no is necessary because then it makes you sharper and and sort of think a little bit more about where where you're going. So just looking back on to what a music agent does, like artist management, signing to a music agency is really a two-way process you may want to work with them but they might not necessarily want to work with you unless you're at the you know the right stage of your career as i sort of mentioned earlier you know for most music agents to want to work with you they are most likely to want to see you know your income streams coming in you know giving them a strong indication of, of where you're at and and also there's other areas that some agents can actually help you with looking at tv and radio appearances I wouldn't say it's a day-to-day -day thing that they do, but they may work alongside with your management to get other media opportunities for you regarding the tour or festival, because obviously the more exposure you get, then you know, the, the better for the agent and obviously better for the band. Becoming known in the media is, is not really an easy task either. You've got to really understand how the media work and some agents will look at this for you and, and some agents won't. But again, it, it comes down to the call of, of if the agent can help you in that area and sometimes they possibly will put you onto one of their colleagues that actually specialise in this area so that's really something to think about as well um, but being heard on radio or TV to give you exposure is, is priceless really and um, getting heard to a wider audience and being able to sort of you know maximise fans is, is you know I can't endorse it enough really and sort of a, a couple of two or three points that I wanted to sort of bring to the table is you know how to get an agent for your talent really and you know you're, you're a young band we're going back to the same sort of thing as where you're how to get a music manager really so just the sort of two or three points that i would sort of suggest to budding bands and even if you're a bit more established just to sort of uh, take these sort of points on in hand and you know run with them really you may be lucky to get picked up with an agent or an event but you know that's a lot more difficult than it seems and more often you're gonna have to knock on many many doors uh, to nab yourself an agent and it's going to be really quite difficult so just a few points for bands to sort of consider really you know point one enter competitions uh, they're a great place to be spotted agents and managers will frequently attend and you know they're always looking for talent as well it's 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 a two-way streak like we said before the manager and the band it's the same with the agent and the band they're looking for great stuff as well so you know definitely look at um, competitions one thing uh, second point set up a youtube channel all your social media channels to showcase all your work and contact the, the agents directly, letting them know what you're doing. Even if you've only got, you know, not many people on your social media, it's still worth letting them know that you're being savvy and um, business-like around what you're doing. And, you know, that, that all goes hand-in-hand hand with what you're actually doing. The third point is really arrange plenty of live gigs and invite the agent to come and see you perform. Again, you're going to be putting your, your fishing rod out there and seeing which ones are going to bite and... It's going to be a really difficult process because you know most agents are based in you know big cities say for example london you know some in manchester trying getting them out is really difficult so you're gonna to have to really persevere with this and 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 sort of you know grit your teeth and 
you're going to get turned down many 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 times but if you do get an agent come along then you know all power to your mobile so um you know give it certainly a good go and when you're looking for the agent you've got to search the agent that specializes in your music genre there's no point in contacting an agent that looks after pop and your metal because you're just wasting everybody's time so do your you know your due diligence and, and make sure that you are going through this properly um most of the agents even in my experience their books are always full but they're always looking as well i know it's it's a double-edged sword really the books are always full but they're looking for the next act to come around the corner that could be you but just be prepared you may have to contact a lot and there's, there's a there's a good and a bad way from doing this you, you can't look desperate um but you've got to sort of come across as a bit as a bit sort of steely and and, and tenacity and make sure that you're getting your message across so there's there's a fine balance to that as well but also you know the other point in this area you you may have someone people in your sort of network that you know your manager may know your attorney may know may better give you an introduction um even someone in the band may have come across an agent so it's always worth um to explore every single avenue and and it, there's no harm in keeping them updated what you're doing you may just get that lucky break you just never never know if you know going on to the, the sort of next point if an agent is interested in you and, and they want to meet you for an interview in person and that's obviously a great step forward because they're obviously interested in what you've sent they listen to your, your demo or they come to see you perform make sure you turn up on time probably about 15 minutes early and be well prepared and dressed that matches what you're actually doing it's like an interview if you go for an interview a normal job you're gonna have to do the same thing you're gonna have to find your way there you're gonna have to dress smartly for that particular job and you have to be on time and you know watch your p's and q's it's the same thing they're interviewing you to be you know on their roster so you know just do all your basic research and make sure you're well prepared because again you never know what's going to happen and even if it's a no as long as you put in your best possible effort you possibly can then that's all you can ask for and i think that's a really good way to just conduct yourself really going on to the next point i wanted to sort of cover looking at different agents if you get to the the opportunity where you know you've gone into the stratosphere and you really hit the big time and you're sort of selling millions of records the chances are you're going to come across a hollywood agent hollywood manager at some point in your career and most of them are based in los angeles it's a central hub for music and movies um and it's where a lot of the top agents and managers operate and they you know some of these companies and individual managers and agents make millions of dollars but they also have a reputation for being really really tough and sort of shark light in their approach really so you have to be very very careful but it is the hub of where generally everything happens across music and film especially in the states um, you can still look at new york but i would strongly advise it's los angeles really which which is the hub and if you've seen sort of a, a a little thing from me if you've seen the recent movie called yesterday it portrays the character who was apparently ed sheeran's manager um, and it's quite an interesting film and it sort of shows how much they say about the cutthroat nature of music management sort of industry over the uh, over the pond really so if you get a chance to look at that i definitely would sort of give it a um give it a thumbs up so if you loose end for something to do one evening then um definitely check out the film yesterday it's an interesting look i'm sure you would really really like it and i just you know i think you've just got to be proactive really you've got to be really proactive you've got to be doing the same things as as what really you were doing with a with finding a manager and what you were doing to actually you know find an attorney it, it's the same thing it, and you're on show all the time you're being interviewed all of the time 
um, and it's just imperative. So let's just sort of take a look at between what a music agent and the difference between a music agent and a music manager. As was highlighted in the last two podcasts, managers do an awful lot more and, and they look after your career in many sort of different areas. Really, an agent will find the client or the band arranged performances, really. They may give some advice generally, but simply they get the singer or musician gigs, festivals and shows. The agent will rarely do anything with your music, such as things like working with producers or releasing the material. They may get involved, as I've touched on, with TV and radio, but generally the difference between them and the managers, they solely are there for gigs, festivals, shows, support tours. Um, so just so you've got the, the, the different mechanisms of what an agent actually does. But, you know, they really are in, integral to your team as well. So you're sort of building your team in a nice, strong way. And it's, it's, a, it's certainly a good way to go. As we've touched on before, a manager will organise the particular details of your career on the day-to-day, look after contractual stuff as we covered. So the, the roles have a slight crossover, but your manager is more day-to-day and the agent will just look after you know your shows and festivals, really. And then I just wanted to touch on as well, like publicist versus promoter. The sort of one and the same, really. Some publicists do promotion and vice versa, but the two jobs are actually separately defined. Um, they may perform the same role as a booking agent for a specific festival or event, but they will also be responsible for promoting the event as well. So, so what do we actually mean by a publicist? Well, really, they are they are the same as a manager. They are the same as an agent. I know this is confusing. They still have their separate role, and a publicist is more about endorsement and a persuasion rather than marketing. So it's a bit more rather than putting your social marketing plan out there with posters, flyers they will be in people's faces and they will be talking you up towards journalists, uh, to another agent, to the media. They're all about just persuasion, sometimes strong persuasion, sometimes not so strong. It just depends on, on the level of the client that they're working with. But it's useful to have them on board. And, and if you don't get one, you can certainly do a lot of the stuff yourself, which you, which the bands would have been doing up until this point. So you would, you would have... To, a bit of fay with you know, how the media works, how um, community radio works, how your local newspaper works. So you're sort of doing a little bit of the publicity job really yourself and within your band. Um, they can have, especially when you look in Hollywood, a publicist can actually look after the careers of some of the, you know, the, the rich and famous actors, actresses, musicians, and they would do the whole job as a manager and as an agent. So it does get a little bit confusing. Um, but again, it's certainly something to think about especially if you are you know going into stratosphere and your career is taken off it, you might need somebody who's just got the ear to to the media and it knows exactly where to go at the right time even if you haven't got a publicist now you've even got an agent now or even a manager it's good to have all this information because at some point you, you you're going to need you're going to need one and, and it's good to fall back on the information so that you're well prepared what's going to be around the corner um, and again i was always taught you know give me all the bad news under the sun but don't give me any surprises and it's it's stayed with me for a long time because it really 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 does work so hopefully you can take away some tips and look at the suggestions and and hopefully um you know benefit from Uh, something else i just wanted to sort of you know bring to everyone's attention i was doing some research the other day and i thought this was uh, quite relevant really to what the subject was today for our podcast about agent and even managers really and after doing a bit of research and, and looking through 
I just want to sort of highlight sort of two or three people in the industry that have sort of been trailblazers really and, and, and really sort of iconic people. The first one I wanted to look at is Peter Grant. And um, for those out there that don't know, Peter Grant was um, Led Zeppelin's manager and he was in charge of them for many, many years and made them the biggest band in the world really. But he fought tooth and nail on behalf of the group, you know, ensuring, you know, for example, that they took 90% of, of the monies from festivals, gigs and shows and the promoter only had 10% rather than the usual 70-30 split. Now that's become the industry standard, so I would say that all the artists around the world have Grant to thank for that really. He could also be really tough on fans for illegally recording Led Zeppelin shows and, and bootleggers selling them as counterfeit merch, but his instinct really was always to protect the financial interest of his band, and for that he's earned industry-wide respect. So, you know, it's a really, if you get a chance to look him up, definitely have a look, because it's an interesting read, and, you know, obviously he's, he's been synonymous for one of the biggest bands ever, really. And then I was wanted to take a look at Cara Lewis, and if you haven't listened to, I definitely recommend you take a listen to the 2017 podcast mogul about the life and death of a hip-hop executive, which was Chris Lightley. Um, we all know that the rap game is just as merciless and difficult as the rock and roll business. And Cara, she began right at the bottom of the industry, um, and I got relevance to that as well. So she worked as a receptionist and made her way up, eventually becoming the booking agent for stars like LL Cool J, Run DMC, Beastie Boys, Kanye West, Fuji's, Eminem, you know, the list goes on and on and on. But to this day, you know, Lewis still gets the job done. Her work is consistently honoured by the American trade magazine Billboard on their annual women in music list. And artists just love her. Um, so, again, if you, could, you want to check out Cara Lewis when you, when you get a point, you know, she's done some, you know, fantastic stuff, really. And then third one is sort of more homegrown, really, and you can't really ignore him for what what he's done. I mean, Simon Cowell, you know, everyone's probably aware of what Simon's done. And really, in the last two decades, no person really has dominated the British pop landscape more, more than him. He had to fight for his success. I don't know if people know about this, but he's had a long career. And he started out in the mailroom at EMI Records, and um, he had his first hits in the mid-80s on a label he set up, which was called Fanfare Records with Ian Burton, which was his former boss. And Sunita was the first act to be signed to that label. The label floundered, didn't do that particularly well, and actually went bust and nearly left Cal nearly bankrupt, really. But he came back in 95 with uh, his next big hit, which was Robson green and jerome flynn which was the righteous brothers which was unchained melody which the pair sung on the show it became the biggest selling single of that year and put cal really back on the map you know obviously he would go on then to have huge success and we you know mentioned he looked after um under the labels with five westlife el devo and then obviously got on to x factor and britain's got talent and um He's probably become more famous than most of the acts, really. But I just thought it was really important to sort of highlight two or three people in the industry of what they've done. And they've all got sort of a the same sort of thread, really, of, of through success. And I think that's what trying to instill on the new bands and artists coming through, that it's, it is a, um, it's a tough business and you have to be really prepared for it. So all I'm going to leave you on today is I think that keys to success in this business is really tenacity, be as creative as you possibly can 
Um, hold your ethics high. You know, you, you, you want to have really good, strong ethics. Be resourceful um, around everything that you do and have massive perseverance. And you're going to get a lot of no's and you're going to get the odd yes. And the one thing to do is never, ever take no for an answer, but always be polite. And as I said, and um, you won't you won't far go wrong, really. Um, and again, that's all for today with looking at what a music agent does. And next week, I look forward to talking to you more about how to set up a DIY label. And now I'm going to be crossing over to Bex for the fun facts of the day. And I think she's got a really good question as well. So stay tuned. Facts of the day. Hi everyone, yeah, I hope everyone's doing good. I just wanted to share a little bit of background on why I wanted to do the fun fact and the question of the day. I just wanted to bring something a little bit different and a little bit fun to the show, really. And I've got a fun fact that's not necessarily from the music industry. I've got one that's just about something in general in the world and also about music as well. So I just wanted to just bring something a little bit different. Okay, so the first non-music fact that I've got for you today is actually about the hashtag symbol. Now, everybody knows this we use this lot daily on social media but did you know that it's actually technically called an octothorpe and according to the merriam-webster dictionary the octo prefix refers to the eight points on the symbol but the thought part actually remains a mystery to this day although one theory that i did read about claims that it comes from the old english word for village based on the idea that the symbol basically looks like a village surrounded by eight fields with the crisscrossing of the lines. So I just thought it was really interesting, you know, the fact that we use this nearly every day, um, whether you're doing a tweet or whether you're on Instagram. I mean, you name it on social media, it's all about the hashtag. Okay, so now we're moving on to the music fact. Now in 2016, the composer Mozart sold more CDs than Beyonce. Can you believe it? I mean, he's a legend, but he actually sold the most CDs, beating the likes of Adele, Drake and Beyonce. And even though all of those artists actually had Grammy winning hits that year. It's remarkable, really, when you look at it, how an 18th century composer can actually sell more than some of the greatest pop names. Well, it comes down to the support and the power that it had behind the release, along with obviously great music. It was Universal Music Group who actually released the box set commemorating the 225th anniversary of Mozart's death. The new complete edition, which was a whopping 200 CD collection that spans over 240 hours of music. I mean, this box set literally blew off the shelves. According to Billboard, Mozart sold a total of 1.2 million CDs. That's great, Bex. Some really great stuff you shared with us today. Also, have you got the question of the day for our listeners? I'm really looking forward to hearing this one today. Yeah, I've got a really good one today, Pete. Okay, so what was the first ever music video to air on MTV on August the 1st, 1981? So if any of you listeners think you know the answer, you can drop us a message at www.anchor.fm forward slash entertainment engine and we'll be able to give you the answer on next week's show. And come to think of it, I've got the answer to last week's question, which was, what year was the first series of The X Factor? And the answer is 2004. 
Well, that's all from me today, guys. But thanks so much for listening. And I'm really looking forward to coming back to you all next week for some more fun facts. Take care and have a great day. Entertainment news. Okay, now we've got the movie news. And what I wanted to start this week is, is something that's really funny and I've enjoyed watching for the past several years. Um, Shit's Creek. If you watch the show like me, you will know exactly what I'm talking about. If you haven't seen the show, then you must check it out on Netflix. It's really, really funny. And especially in these dark times we've all faced, it's a real good laugh. Now, for those who haven't seen the show, I'm just going to give you a little idea about it. In 2015, Shit's Creek premiered on a riches to rags comedy story. The Poe's family arrive in a tiny town wearing the designer clothes from their past life. It's hilarious. But over the six seasons, Pop TV, the viewers have seen the once wealthy Roses, Johnny, Eugene Levy and Moira, Catherine O'Hara, and their dysfunctional adult children, David, played by Daniel Levy, and Alexis, Annie Murphy, scrap their way from being penniless exiles in a town that bought them as a big joke to be respected members of the community. The show was created by father and son Eugene Levy and Daniel Levy as co-production with CBC. Schitt's Creek had its final series in April this year. He knew how he wanted to conclude the story and had 28 episodes over two seasons to do so. The goal was at the end of this show, this family would realise the value of love, Levy says. So to end the show at the peak of its popularity was their choice, after getting a two-season renew at the close of season four. Daniel Levy began plotting the series' conclusion. Now I'm not going to spoil this for you, so if you're looking for something to watch, check out this show for sure. It made me really laugh, and I hope it makes you laugh too. Now this leads me on to a really cool piece of news. If this gets pulled off, it will be the the show, the film of the century. This is Out of the World. I've heard that Tom Cruise and Elon Musk's SpaceX are working on a project with NASA that will be the first feature film ever to be shot in outer space. Apparently it's not a Mission Impossible film and I believe no studio is in the mix at the moment but I'm definitely keeping my ear to ground on this one. I'm looking forward to a full liftoff for sure. In my lifetime, there's never been a leading man who puts himself at risk as often as Cruise. If you're all like me and you've watched all the Mission Impossible films, you'll remember when Tom Cruise hung from the side of a jet plane during takeoff in Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. He then went on in Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol and scaled the Burj Khalifa the biggest building in the world in Dubai, 123 floors up. Just ridiculous. To be fair though, Tom Cruise is meticulous in preparing all stunts he does, which are frightening and exhilarating to watch. He's just really cool and gets my vote every single time. If Cruise is successful shooting a project in Musk's spaceship, it will be Hollywood record books forever. I can't wait, certainly looking forward to more news on this one, definitely. Now, what is happening in the indie music sector? Let's take a look. The hottest independent artists around today. Each week, I will pick a couple of indie acts who are making a splash in today's indie music scene. And the first artist is Olive Amun, hip-hop artist from Melbourne, Australia. The rapper and producer, lyric-based brand of Chill Hop, has helped him find a way onto Spotify's most popular Lofi playlist. 
Amun has been described as coming through with some of the swagger of the late Mac Miller and has time and time again proven his lyrical abilities to be unmatched. At just 21, Amun possesses an immeasurable amount of drive to prove himself as one of the greats. He since enjoyed a surge in popularity, leaping from zero to 300,000 playlist followers in a month, and now has 60,000 monthly listeners. Interestingly, his streams are spread consistently across 11 singles released in 2020, some of which have been remixed by other producers such as Synthify, Specialist Forever. Definitely one of the acts to watch for 2020. And the next act we're looking at today is the Canadian band Two Car Train. They provide a West Coast hard soul experience and a blend of screaming hearts and heavy riffs, rhythms carried by classic tones and tenacious grooves. This is really interesting. I attended the NAM event in Los Angeles back in January of this year and I met with Ray, the founder of the band, with my colleagues. So I've decided to include Ray on the Entertainment Engine Spotlight for this week. Ray started the band back in 2014. He then called up his friend Lyle, who's a drummer. Lyle told Ray that he started working with a killer singer called Mike Brooks. Mike and Ray clicked right away and realised they were in total music synchronicity. Ray then brought in Ryan Jones bass in 2012 and again within 10 minutes of Ryan auditioning, Lyle shouted, you're hired. Unfortunately, Lyle left in 2015 due to artistic differences. Ray then called on Jason Hagen drums. Jason was a monster player and like Ryan was hired within 10 minutes of auditioning. Really sad and unfortunately, after playing with the band for a year, tragedy struck and Jason's life ended way, way too soon. This threw the band into total stagnation and mourning for the next eight months of Sea of Drummer's audition, but none seemed to fit whatsoever. Then, one day, Ray was an actor on a TV movie. This is where he met fellow actor Noel Ingman. They hit it off instantly and couldn't stop talking about music all day. Noel then came to audition for the band. He brought his funk rock style of drumming and jailed with the band instantly. Really great story. Love the band. Check them out, twocartrain.com. And to finish up with the music news for today, Two Car Train performed at the digital event for Subberfest on the 28th of June. And also, my co-host on the Entertainment Engine, Bex, UK singer-songwriter artist, performed for the festival as well, along with another Canadian band, Me and May, with a further 60-plus acts over the weekend, which was to raise money for COVID-19 charities. Great effort by everyone who was involved. Nice one. And I look forward to bringing you more music news next week when we look at the next Engine Music Spotlight artists. Well, that's all for today's episode of The Entertainment Engine. And again, thanks for listening. Join us again next week when we talk more about the entertainment industry and delve into how to set up a DIY record label for bands and artists. This is going to be a really good one, so stay tuned for that. Plus, I will have all the latest news, updates from the music and film sector with the major and the indies. Also, I'll have more fun facts and another question of the day for you all. So it would be great to have your feedback on the show. We would love to hear from you. So you can always drop us a message at any time. That would be really cool. 
So make sure you subscribe to the podcast on anchor.fm forward slash entertainment engine so you never miss an episode. And if you're enjoying what you're listening to, we're also available on all other platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. Once again, thanks for listening and stay safe. The Entertainment Engine.